Thank you, Sister Megan. Why don't we stand together at this time? I'm so proud of our graduates. And this is a major milestone in their life. And I feel not everyone could make it to graduations due to limited seating, etc. But this is a way that we as a church can celebrate this milestone with them. And everyone here can be a part of them because most of us, most of you and us has been here three years, but you've watched them grow up in the Lord. And I, I think it's good that you could be a part of this. My message tonight as you turn to the book of Joel chapter 3, verse 14, will be geared towards graduates, but trust me, it will fit everyone here. Joel 3 and 14 says this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Graduates, I want to talk to you, and I did have the privilege of speaking at their baccalaureate service Sunday night. But I want to give you just a little extra and I want to talk to us tonight about the valley of decision. The valley of decision. Lord bless you. You may be seated. One thing that I can say that I have learned about life, and you have as well, is that the complexities of life are abundant and often unanswered. We could exhaust ourselves tracing just people in this room, tracing people's stories, trying to answer their questions, considering their comments, and all such as like that. Questions such as how do family trees end up like they do? How do certain people end up living so far from where they were raised? How does a man spend his life so loyal to one company for so many years? Why do bad things happen to good people and why do good things happen to bad people? We could, we could write the narrative tonight to many people's lives. The one thing, though, that we won't have is we won't have all of the answers to all of life's questions. Questions are endless regarding where how and who. But I think tonight that I have an answer that would fit every person's situation. I think I have an answer that would, would fit people's lives as to the how and the where and the who. That one answer is summed up in a word, and that word is decisions. Decisions. It's simply profound, yet profoundly simple. You make decisions, and in turn, your decisions make you. I'm speaking tonight to graduates that are on the mountaintop of celebration, and rightfully so. I remember my high school graduation. I graduated third in my class out of three. I was in the top three. 
Not many people can say they were in the top three, but I can. I remember it, and I thought I knew a lot about life. But it didn't take me long because I wanted to get married, and I went from a Christian home to a Christian school, from, raised in a Christian environment, and at 18, I felt like I wanted to get married in a few months, and I needed to make more money than $7 an hour to live. So I went to work at the refineries. And if you've never worked there, it's not a Christian environment. They're not doing Bible studies on lunch break. They don't care about God. They don't care about anything. And I got smacked in the face with reality. And I had to learn that anybody can talk about God, but not everybody can live for God. You have to live for God in that environment. And your life is your message. So tonight, as you are standing on the mountaintop of a great achievement, I commend you for your steadfastness. I commend you for making it all the way through this, this milestone. But sooner or later, graduates, you'll enter a valley that everyone must go through. And this will happen repeatedly. It's called the valley of decision. When life starts tugging at you through various forms, such as people and places, prosperity and popularity, whether you realize it or not, you'll be faced with decisions every day. If you think about it, the absence of a decision is a decision in itself. When you get up, you say, you may say, well, I don't feel like brushing my teeth today. That's a decision. You decided to be nasty. You say, well, I didn't even think about it. No, you subconsciously thought about it and made a decision not to practice good hygiene. The I want you to remember tonight, young people, the greatest decision that you'll ever face, and it's not a one-time decision, it's a daily decision, is you got to decide, you got to make a decision that I am going to live for God every day of my life. You don't worry about tomorrow. You don't worry about next month. You wake up and you worry about living for God today. And if you do that every day, then you'll be living for God next month and you'll be living for God next year. It's like a man told me one time, don't count your dollars, count your cents, and you'll end up with dollars. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You've got to understand in this, in this thing called life, there is a multitude of people. Joel said multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Every day you live, you're going to be surrounded with people, and they're all going to be trying to make a decision. And the easiest way is the broad way. Everybody's going that way. And this is what Peter called it, an untoward 
generation. They're not going towards God. They're going away from God. And you can choose to blend in with the crowd and make that decision to be accepted by your friends. But in doing so, you're going to take the broad way. Or you can say, I'm not going to walk with the world. I'm going to go against the world. You can be like Joshua has said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Hey, graduates, you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to walk the way of the world. I'm not going to blend in with the crowd. I'm not apostolic by chance. I'm apostolic by choice. Are there any elders in this place that can agree with me that the best decision you ever made is to live for God with all of your heart. The old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. You don't just wake up and stumble into this thing. You make a decision to follow Jesus. Then it says, no turning back. No turning back. So for the next few moments, and I am mindful of the time, I want to talk to you graduates and people in attendance today about decisions that you'll have to make along life's way. You need to decide to do all things with excellence. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. Because what's on the inside is evident by how you do things on the outside. And we should care about all things. But especially as a child of God, you should care about your appearance. You should care about your attitude. You should care about your academics. All of these things serve as a gateway to the mind, and people can tell what's happening inside by how you do things. It's been studied and, and proven that how you keep your personal space, how you keep your office, how you keep your house is a reflection on how orderly things are inside, on, on the inside of your life. If your house is in total disarray, it's indicative of what's happening on the inside. Total disarray. I know I'm speaking to graduates. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have jumped off into that. Let me just keep it to the graduates. I'm just in a private conversation. If it fits, then wear the shoe. If your office, when you get an office, young people, it speaks volumes when someone walks into your office and everything is, is, is neat and in order because it, it's indicative of a life that is in order. I'll never forget when I was, my, I was young in the Lord. I was young, not, not young in the Lord, young in the ministry. My wife and I, we had little kids. And you know how it is with little kids. Let's just be happy we made it to church, okay, without a bunch of stains all over our clothes. And, and, and we were just in the busyness of life. And one day my pastor come up to my window and looked in. He said, kind of dirty in there, huh? That's all it took for me. That'll never happen again. And it never happened again. Because what he was saying was, that's a reflection of what's happening on the inside. If everything is disorderly on the outside, it's showing everybody on the inside you ain't got it together. 
And so I've always tried. Now, I'm not knocking it out of the park. I got kids still, and there may be times I got some M&Ms that dropped on my floorboard, okay? That's by me, not by my kids. But I try to keep it because it's a reflection of what's on the end. You do, hey, it's excellence without excuse. If anybody ought to strive for excellence, it ought to be children of God. Why do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood out before the king? It's because they had excellent spirit. It speaks volumes. We got, we got a generation rising up that don't care. They don't care. Let me just say this. Oh, help me. I know y'all are sports, so this may not even apply to y'all, but it may apply to somebody in here, okay? So y'all take this. Nobody in the world cares a hill of beans about how good somebody is at Xbox or PlayStation. When you go get a job and you submit a resume, you can't put on there that I could play Fortnite or Call of Duty or whatever the big thing is right now. They could they'll just wild that up and throw it in the garbage. Okay? It don't matter. And if, if it fits over here, for those guys that are talking over there, if it fits over there, then good. If it fits, if the shoe fits, wear it. What I'm saying is we got a, that came out and I didn't even I didn't even know it came out. <sighs> It just hit me that that came out of my mouth. We ought to be consumed with being the best person we could be for the Lord, for our job, for our family. We ought not get sidetracked with all the other things that the world says is important. That's not important. What's important is that we be excellent in all things. Listen to me. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. If it's mopping the floor, I'm going to be the best mopper I can be. If it's taking out the trash, I'm going to do it the best I can. The one thing that I'm, I, I just, I'm a stickler on, and it's me. I know it's crazy. I think about it driving down the road. Is if all of our church rugs are vacuumed before every service. And nobody knows a lot of times I go behind and I vacuum rugs because when people walk in these doors and if they look down, I want them to say, hey, that's the cleanest rug I've ever seen in anybody's church because this is the house of God and it speaks volumes about our church. We got a great cleaning staff. They do it, but I, I, sometimes I get bored and I just go get a vacuum and I go check all the rugs because I want them to be perfect. It's excellence without excuse. Jesus, or rather Moses said in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Listen to me, graduates. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. People want to be seen before they learn to serve. But kingdom concepts are opposite. The only way up is down. And you do the things that nobody sees like everybody sees. And then you can do things that everybody sees like nobody sees. You just don't worry. You do it unto the Lord. Close enough is never good enough. When a, when a picture is almost level, 
is not level. I get my phone level out. I go around and I check things with my phone, my level on my phone. Because I can walk in the room and I can first, first thing I can say is that's not level. That's not level. That's not level. It drives me crazy because the only thing I can think the whole time I'm there is none of that's level. I know, okay? If you can find me treatment, find me treatment. That's just part of how I'm wired because I think that we can always strive for perfection. Don't ever be satisfied, young people. Second decision is you're going to have to decide what you will sow. Because the principle in the Word of God of sowing and reaping, you cannot reap what you don't sow. You cannot. You sow today what you want to reap tomorrow. Now keep in mind, it takes time for things to grow. I could take you to people right now that God placed in my lives along the way that it seems like everywhere they, they go, they're just making money hand over fist. They're getting blessed. But when you sit and listen to their story, they can back you up years ago. One man told me, he said, he said, I wanted to be a giver. He said, I just didn't have no money. So you can't be trusted with a lot unless you learn to give a little. And he said, they were taking up a sacrificial offering, and I felt to give a certain amount, and I just wrote a check. He said it was hot as hot could be. No money in the bank, but it was by faith. Now, I'm not advising everybody to write a bunch of hot checks, okay, because we get to process those, and you get penalized for it. But if God moves on you, then, then do it. Make sure it's God. And he said, before I made the, before the check cleared the bank, God had already given me all the money to cover it, plus more that I could deposit out of nowhere. Miraculous. Got the money. And he slowly began to just be a giver, be a giver, be a giver. And his business just started to grow. And he just kept giving, kept giving, kept giving. And somebody walked up to him one day and said, I sure wish I could give like you. He said, you can. They said, really? He said, yeah, you want me to tell you how? They said, how? He said, write the check. Because the hardest part is writing the check. But he learned a principle that you cannot reap what you don't first sow. you got to sow. I talked to a man just yesterday. He told me, he said, years ago, I decided this is what I want to make in my, uh, as an income. He had a small business. He said, I set the bar. And I started tithing on what I thought I wanted to make one day. And he said, I didn't have the money. I just started tithe, paying tithes off of what I wanted. And his business started growing. When he hit that mark, he raised his income, what he wanted. And he started tithing on that. He told me this just last night, he, or two nights ago. He said, last year, I hit the mark. And now I'm raising my tithing again off of what I want to make. You see, you cannot reap what you don't sow. If you, if you say, well, nobody likes me and nobody's being nice to me, nobody's being kind to me, first, before you look at them, look at what you've sown through the years because you cannot reap kindness if you don't sow kindness. You cannot reap love if you don't sow love. You decide. I tell you, when you step into colleges and you step on the jobs, you will disarm everybody 
with love. Because love never fails. Never fails. You can walk into any room. You can walk into any classroom, any job. And if you love people, they may not be nice to you. But if you love them, the principle is you will reap love when you sow love. You have to sow before you can reap. We get frustrated when we don't see things happening like we think it should. But Galatians 6 and 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. The third decision is you have to decide where you're going to be. Okay. You get to choose if you'll be in the house of God or in the house of the world. You decide if you'll be at prayer meeting or you'll be playing around with the carnal side of the world. Young people, listen to me. You make decisions, and those decisions make you. You don't find time to practice spiritual disciplines. You make time to practice spiritual disciplines. If you're finding time, you'll never find it because there's always going to be a list. There, you, you can keep adding and adding and adding. You'll never find time. You make time. I have to put my phone on do not disturb when I spend time with God. How do you think it, God feels if you're always answering your phone during prayer and God's trying to have a conversation with you? You make time. People make time for what they like. You're one Decision away, young people. You're one decision away from a whole different life. You could talk to every married couple in here. And they were one, thank you, Brother Dakota, they were one decision away from not even being with who they, they chose to be with their spouse. One decision. One decision can change Everything. It can, one decision led David to a Bathsheba. One decision. One decision cost him that child that they bore together. Then God gave us Solomon. We could go on and on. Brother James, I want you to come help me just for a moment. Let me show you. You know, you can miss eternity by inches. Just take that and start with Start walking right here to Sister Destiny. Sister Destiny, you're about eight foot from an altar. And you can miss eternity with the Lord by eight foot. Eight feet. It's hard to imagine. Walk all the way down that aisle to that last row. We don't, we don't think about this a lot, but when you put it practical, 40 foot, wouldn't it be a shame to go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday but never yield to God and make a move and miss heaven by 40 foot? 40 foot. We could split it in half. 
by where Brother Butch is. That's probably 20 foot somewhere around there. 20 foot. Listen, young people, come up right here, Brother, Brother James, this front row. This prayer room, and I've been concerned because this prayer room is getting awfully quiet here lately. Young people, if you're going to decide to be anywhere, you're 20 foot from a prayer room. Brother Gavin, you're five foot from a prayer room. But you know what? It doesn't matter if I stand right here and decide I don't want to go in. I'll miss what God wants by inches. Inches. You're going to be 40 foot from hell. You can be five foot from hell. But you know what I've learned? Almost right is always wrong. What a shame. Thank you, Brother James. We, you can roll that up. What a shame it would be, graduates, for you to spend your whole life, your whole life coming to church. I know all of your parents. I know that all of you were raised right. Stand with me. Everybody here, everybody that I'm talking to, you graduates, listen to me. I don't embarrass people, but I do speak it straight. Every one of y'all, you have everything spiritually you need in you. Your parents, your grandparents have put everything you need to live for God. So it's not a lack of knowledge, wisdom, Doctrine, you got it. You got it. Let me tell you where it's going to be. It's going to be in the decisions you make from this day forward. The decisions you make to live for God. I want my wife, Brother Jeremy, if you would come grab those stack of Bibles. Hold them for my wife and I. Come up here, Sister Ferguson. My pastor started this years ago. Nearly 20 years ago, I stood where you stood. And he would say the same words I'm fixing to say. There's nothing that I could give you, not a better gift spiritually than what I'm going to give you tonight. I'm going to give you a, a Bible. This is, I normally give Thompson and Chains, but we could not find them. They're back ordered. But this is just as good. It's a Schofield Bible, which is an excellent, excellent Bible. But when you're in that valley of decision, you could ask a hundred people what to do, and they're going to give you a different answer. But there's one answer that trumps everything. That's this right here. Sister Destiny, I want you to come. Come up here with us, sweetie. And Sister Destiny, at every major junction in your life, aside from your daily commitment, this right here is going to be the direction that you need, okay? We love you. We're proud of you. Brother Evan, come on up here. Sister Joyce, you can come. 
I love Brother Evan. And I didn't know he was a writer. He hid that talent from me. Brother Evan, you got everything you need in you, buddy. Everything you need to be who God called you to be. You may already have a Bible, but just know this, that I can't give you anything more valuable than what I'm giving you right now. All right, buddy? I love you. Brother Caleb. Brother Caleb's a little quiet, at least in front of the church he is. He may not be quiet at home. I don't know. Brother Caleb, listen to me before we take a picture, buddy. When you go to the Marines, it's a different world. You know that. But the same God that's with you at this altar, he's going to be with you in those Marines. Okay? And you have everything in you that you need to be successful in living for God. And you can be a light in that dark world. And I want you to know I love you. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Brother Evans, Sister Destiny. This church is proud of you. Let's... All right. And Brother Malik, he don't want to sing. I asked him if he wanted to sing. Listen to me, buddy. Just like these other graduates, I can't give you anything more valuable than what you're holding. Because that what you're holding, Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But that right there, it's forever settled in heaven. And all of, all of these graduates and yourself, I don't want you to ever become satisfied with where you are. I want you to always look that I can, I can be better than I was yesterday. I can be better than I was yesterday. And you live for God one day at a time. And you'll look back like these elders here and realize that you've lived for God should the Lord tarry a long time. I love you. Why don't we give our graduates a hand tonight? I want you all to come stand across the front. Right here. I want my wife, Brother Jeremy and Sister Megan. I want the families to come gather behind them. Y'all face me. We're going to pray. Y'all spread out just a, just a moment. Families, if you can, if you're able to and you want to come, y'all might need to scoot over just a little bit. I want our families to come stand behind these graduates, moms and dads, grandparents, if they desire to do so, just a little bit more maybe. Once our families are behind them, my wife and I, Brother Jeremy and Sister Megan, are going to go to each one and we're going to pray for them.